One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is 7 News with Angela Cox. 25 American cities are now under curfew to try to quell the violence playing out on the streets. For a fifth night, riots have erupted over the death of a black man in custody. In New York, police vehicles were set ablaze in Union Square as officers found themselves struggling to contain the crowds. There were violent skirmishes in Los Angeles where buildings have been set on fire and shops looted. In Washington, D.C., a building and cars are on fire and there has been violence in numerous other cities like Seattle. While in Minneapolis, where George Floyd was killed during an arrest, Protesters again defied curfew orders, engaging in running battles with police. Minneapolis is, of course, ground zero for these race riots. Our U.S. Bureau Chief Ashley Mullaney is there for us again. Ash, police there have used more aggressive tactics. Yeah, and we've seen police take a very different approach tonight. After days of being outnumbered and overrun, they were on the offensive today uh, when hundreds of protesters refused to leave and broke that curfew. Uh, we saw the state patrol turn up in numbers, firing tear gas and volleys of stun grenades into the crowd, which quickly dispersed them. Uh, supporting the police, of course, is the National Guard. Last night, there were some 700 on the ground. Tonight, there is almost 11,000 uh, here in Minneapolis. So they are certainly on the offensive. Uh, but for many business owners, they are taking matters into their own hands uh, with... Uh as you can see here, we, we've got a, a business where they, there are uh, armed business owners saying looters and arsonists will be shot. Um, it's just complete lawlessness and chaos is what we've seen for the past five days now, Ange. Ash, there's also been violence in a lot of other cities across the country, especially New York. Yeah, as you mentioned, Anne, and there's now 25 cities that are now under these curfews, uh, but we are seeing extraordinary pictures out of New York City, a, a place that is only just emerging from the coronavirus pandemic, now seems to be right in the middle of another war with um, really disturbing pictures of protesters surrounding uh, police vehicles, which then plough into the crowd uh, in New York City. Uh, so there, it seems as though that the, the fire was perhaps lit here in Minneapolis. The match was set here, but this is a fire that is said is spreading right across the country right now, Ange. Yes, indeed. OK, thanks so much, Ash. In Los Angeles, a state of emergency has been declared and the National Guard is being called in to restore order. Let's go to US correspondent Paul Kadak, who is in LA for us. Paul, the curfew there made very little difference. 
Good evening, Ange. Yeah, that's right. Those 1,000 National Guard troops are about ready to roll now into Los Angeles. But, yes, despite the best efforts of authorities to get everyone to stay at home, uh, they've had to deal with a lot of problems over the last few hours. Where we are here on Melrose Avenue in West L.A., you can probably see behind me firefighters uh, dealing with the aftermath of a blaze that's destroyed one store. Uh, and just beyond them, uh, another team of firefighters uh, dealing with another fire uh, in this area where we've seen a lot of trouble, uh, in particular looting uh, and, uh, and a lot of uh, problems that police have been trying to deal with. It all started, uh, well, fairly peacefully in a park not too far away uh, earlier today, a peaceful protest, uh, a few hundred people, but that suddenly swelled into thousands of people and then confrontations with police began. Police cars were set on fire, projectiles were thrown, a couple of officers were injured. Um, it's not just police that have been stretched, the firefighters, they deal with the blazes here. Uh, have dealt with others in, in the downtown area and more. They've had to get police escorts to actually get to the flames. Uh, in the last few hours, mobile police teams have been zooming across the city to try and deal with troublemakers as they move around. They've already arrested hundreds of people today. Uh, and as I said, they're dealing with a particular problem in this area with looting. Several businesses uh, have been smashed up and just completely cleaned out. In Beverly Hills, on the famous Rodeo Drive shopping area, uh, there was a crowd that uh, broke into one of the high-end stores uh, and uh, before authorities were able to get in there and clear them out. Um, in uh, southern L.A. and Santa Ana, several um, officers have been injured after a group of 400 protesters turned on them. Los Angeles's police chief says he is sad. He is heartbroken. It is what is happening. He, is, he, he thought that this city had made so much progress in the 30 years since the Rodney King riots. Here's what the chief had to say. We haven't given up on L.A. And, and L.A. should not give up on itself. We, we can pull around this. What we need to do is come to terms with understanding people are hurting, they're going through a great grief and, and anger and frustration, and we need to find a narrative that finds an opportunity to have progress, but this is not progress. The mayor of Los Angeles tonight said he is calling on his city to take a deep breath and take a moment uh, for the firefighters to put out the flames, for police to re-establish order. That curfew is now in place. Uh, a national uh, state of emergency is in place. National Guardsmen are about to roll on the streets here, but Los Angeles very much a city on the edge tonight and now waiting to see what tomorrow will bring. Angela? Just incredible pictures. OK, thanks so much for your reporting, Paul. Donald Trump spent the day in Florida watching the rocket launch. He's now back at the White House where police and Secret Service agents line the perimeter as protesters take to the streets of the Capitol, torching buildings and cars. As buildings burn in America's capital, just metres from the White House, the man in charge has done little to extinguish the white-hot rage engulfing the country. Donald Trump returned to Washington, D.C. after spending the day in Florida watching the SpaceX rocket launch, where he addressed the violence tearing across the country like wildfire. What we are now seeing on the streets of our cities has nothing to do with justice or with peace. President Trump says he spoke to George Floyd's family. The memory of George Floyd is being dishonoured by rioters, looters and anarchists. He made it clear violence won't be tolerated. But his tone was more conciliatory than his recent tweets warning that looting leads to shooting 
and earlier today that violence would be met with the most vicious dogs and most ominous weapons. The imagery drew fierce condemnation. To make a reference to vicious dogs is no subtle um, reminder to African-Americans of segregationists who let dogs out on women, children. Tonight, the anger dividing Trump's country is once again at his doorstep, with protesters at the gates of the White House. In other news, the Morrison government is under fire for its handling of the interim findings of the Aged Care Royal Commission after the release of new figures today. They show more than 100,000 Australians continue to wait for home care assistance. Live to Tim Lester in Canberra for us. Tim, how troubling are these numbers? Well, Ange, the government couches these numbers as progress, albeit far from perfect, and the government's opposition couches them as a failure of government policy. Almost one year ago, the number peaked at 130,000 Australians waiting for the government help uh, to allow them to continue to stay in their own homes during old age. That number is now reduced by 25,000 in new statistics out today, 104 and half thousand but it also comes after a royal commission report the interim report of the royal commission into aged care slammed uh, slammed the sector as shameful and uh, and pushed basically for uh, improvements uh, and some certainly the critics say this shows those improvements have not been forthcoming what it shows is that the government's response to the interim report has failed we need the government to do more and we need it to do it quickly. Even if you improve by 20 or 30,000, if you've still got 100,000 people waiting, you've got a big problem. We desperately need more people to work in home care and we need better trained people in home care. $7 billion has been spent in the last two budgets on extending its home care packages. Uh, others now say that the COVID crisis, the pandemic, will lead to more Australians being unwilling to go into aged care residences and wanting to stay home. So the pressure on the system is only going to grow. Ange? OK, thanks so much, Tim. Queenslanders will be allowed to travel anywhere in the state from tomorrow and from Friday there will be further easings for restaurants and cafes but Premier Anastasia Palaszczuk is still refusing to open the state's borders to interstate travellers. Joel Dry has more. Well the COVID-19 shackles will be dramatically loosened here in Queensland with the Premier announcing a somewhat surprising early relaxation of restrictions. From midday tomorrow, all travel within the state will be allowed. No more distance limitations or bans on overnight stays, freeing up Queenslanders to holiday at home in Queensland. It's an important step to boost the local tourism industry and will give people time to plan their school holiday trips. There's no better time to hop in the car for school holidays and go for that once-in-a-lifetime drive trip around Queensland. The other big change comes in the number of people allowed in restaurants, pubs and cafes. 20 patrons will be allowed from tomorrow and from Friday, larger venues will also be able to welcome many more. 20 patrons allowed in each separate area. 
it is perfectly safe for us to open up our economy, open up our communities and all get moving again. The new number limits also apply to other businesses too, like gyms and cinemas, as well as museums and churches. But both here and down south, a lot of people were hoping for news on the border, but on that front, there is no news. The Premier saying it will be reviewed again at the end of next month. Restrictions across some other states will ease from tomorrow. Pubs, clubs, cafes and restaurants can have up to 50 customers in New South Wales and up to 20 people will be allowed to attend weddings. In Victoria, six new cases were recorded overnight as the state prepares to open venues to up to 20 patrons. The same number can gather in a home. South Australia will move to stage two restrictions with up to 80 people allowed at restaurants, clubs and bars. We're always looking at what that public health risk might be. We're taking a deliberately safe and cautious approach. Western Australia has recorded three new cases from people in hotel quarantine. It will move to phase three from next Saturday, allowing up to 100 people into hospitality venues. Shipping containers that fell from a freighter off the New South Wales coast are now washing up on the beaches of Sydney. One of the containers became snagged on rocks near Maroubra Beach overnight. The captain of the APL England has been charged with pollution and damaging the marine environment. The ship is in Brisbane where authorities are trying to work out how to remove the rest of the containers. History was made today from the same launch pad that sent man to the moon half a century ago. For the first time, a commercially built rocket is on its way to the International Space Station with two American astronauts on board. Amelia Brace was at Cape Canaveral for the launch. Well, this was a moment almost a decade in the making, but it literally went by in what felt like a flash. Two, one, zero. Ignition. Two NASA astronauts launched into space from US soil for the first time since the space shuttle was retired. Doug Hurley and Bob Benkin now hours into their mission to cross paths with the International Space Station in orbit. Millions watching their journey, the president one of the few allowed at the Kennedy Space Center in person. When you see a site like that, it's incredible. The power of that machine and the danger, no matter how you figure. When you, when you hear that sound and you hear all of that, the roar, you can imagine how dangerous it is when you feel the shake and we're very far away. but. You feel the shake over here, it's pretty, pretty amazing. It was a momentous day for billionaire Elon Musk. His company SpaceX, now the first private enterprise to safely launch humans into orbit. This, the start of the commercial space race as companies work towards space tourism in the future. That's never happened before, so this is a very historical event. Doesn't like being here because you can feel the rocket. It shakes the air, it vibrates the ground, and you see it go. After Wednesday's aborted mission, there was only about a 50% chance of this launch going ahead today. Once again, storms rolled in, but the skies cleared just in time for history to be made. A man who forced a Brisbane street into lockdown for nearly seven hours is expected to be charged after being arrested. Police had been tracking the 42-year-old man when he broke into a home and took the woman who was with him hostage. Well, we'll say the police did a good job with the guy, but you kept on telling him to shoot him. 
He eventually released the woman and surrendered into custody without incident. Hundreds of Victorian police have taken part in an emotional run to raise money for the four officers who died in the East Link freeway tragedy. The final stretch of the epic relay passed by the four police stations where the officers were based. Cassie Zervos has more. Well, more than 40 current and former police officers took part in the final journey for the Run for Blue event. It's only the second year the run has been on, but this year it was so much more emotional. This month, more than 300 serving and retired police officers pledged to run 159.485 kilometres, representing the sum of the registered numbers for each officer killed in last month's Eastern Freeway tragedy. The final stretch of the run passed the four police stations where leading senior constable Lynette Taylor, senior constable Kevin King, constable Glenn Humphreys and constable Josh Presney worked. It's a real wake-up call, I think, and it does sort of just get you realising just the dangers of the job, you know, that you go to every day and how important it is that you just come home to your family. More than three dozen police ran in relay, carrying four batons, each inscribed with one of the fallen officers' names and registration numbers. First Constable Charlotte Peake came up with the idea. Her initial goal was to raise $4,000. It's now hit more than $360,000. We've got 300 people, police members and uh, members of the public who are doing the 159 and then that really built a community. It's been really fantastic and yeah hopefully that money you know can get back to the families and you know whilst it doesn't replace the people that they've lost um, you know it might help and, and give, a, give them some support in a difficult time. Victoria Police Legacy Fund has now hit $2.4 million. A new study has found more people aged under 50 are dying from unexplained heart attacks and scientists want to know why. Josh Riverich has more. The new study has only been running for 12 months but in that time it found most of the 660 deaths were heart attacks and more than half of them were unexplained. Researchers say unexplained cardiac deaths are nearly impossible to detect as many show no sign of any underlying problem. The End UCD Foundation, which funded this study, was established by Penny Deberstein, whose fit and healthy 47-year-old husband, Ross, died of a sudden heart attack in 2016. Knowing what we're doing gives me such comfort because if, I, if we can help anyone else and prevent this from happening, then that's just... that to me know that Ross didn't die in vain. The project is now being rolled out nationally. The foundation is calling for more funding to continue their research to detect and prevent these sudden unexplained deaths.